0: In Southeast Agnet Sag and Review, for the week ending November 20th, USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service has announced the availability of $350 million to help landowners protect and restore key farmlands, grasslands, and wetlands. NRCS Assistant Chief Leonard Jordan says funds are now available for landowners wishing to protect various land types through conservation easements.
1: The ASAP is the program to consolidate three of our former programs, the first one being the wetland reserve, then we had the grassland reserve, and then we had one that was called the farm and ranch land protection program, so we fold all three of those into the ASAP model. We try to take and combine those programs to make it more efficient in implementation as well as it makes it easier for applicants themselves to indicate their interests. With ASAP, it's in two different camps. You have the working land piece, the ag land piece, and then you have the wetland piece. So we have some that it's grasslands and help the farm lands to keep the farms into farms. We get the Eastman there, but then we have the other piece, the W.R.E. piece, the wetland reserve piece, that help to develop and restore those critical wetlands that provide all of the great benefits and values that we know about.
0: Well, in other news, it was just a year ago we were talking about tax extenders. And according to Kent Backus, National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Director of Legislative Affairs, we're talking about it again this year.
2: Here we are again. Congress has yet to act together to pass the expired tax provisions, things like Section 179 and bonus depreciation, the Conservation Easement Tax Credit, all things that are very important tools in the toolbox for us as far as business planning, yet they're all expired. You know, last year, at the end of the year, instead of passing a two-year extension, Congress only made the tax extenders package retroactive for 2014. The frustrating part of that was is they passed it at the end of December, which meant that if you hadn't made a purchase earlier in the year, you wouldn't be able to claim any of those credits. Well, the problem with that is all of those extenders expired on January 1st of 2015. Earlier this year, the House was working to try to provide more permanency. They voted to make Section 179 permanent, uh, as well as the bonus depreciation and the conservation easement tax credit and a lot of the charitable deductions as well. Unfortunately, the Senate has not moved, and the Senate has not moved on a lot of policies, but tax policy being one of those. There had been some hope for some tax reform, but those hopes were quickly dashed earlier this year. The Senate has yet to move forward with a tax package. The Senate Finance Committee has approved a two-year tax bill uh, out of committee that would extend many of these provisions for two years, especially Section 179 and bonus depreciation. What we're asking now, here in this 11th hour, is for Congress to come together pass a multi-year package whether it be two years preferably three hopefully at least two years to allow some kind of uh, consistency in the tax code because this just gets frustrating year after year
0: Well, after details of the Trans-Pacific Partnership were made available, many in the peanut industry spent time going through it to see how the industry would fare. Tyron Spearman has more details concerning peanuts and trade.
3: More details have been announced on the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. It will involve Japan and 10 other Asian Pacific nations as they open their doors for more imports. The current Japanese 10% tariff on shell peanuts will be eliminated immediately. They have a quota, 75,000 metric tons. That will be phased out over eight years. The Japanese tariff of 12% on peanut butter. It will be reduced to zero in six years. And snack foods, Japanese buys a lot, but it'll be phased out. That's a 23.8% tariff phased out over eight years. There's even more. Vietnam has a young population, 90 million people, and their tariff, which is 30%, will be eliminated within eight years and Malaysia and New Zealand will immediately eliminate all tariffs on U.S. peanuts. It's a big agreement, and it will mean more markets for U.S. peanuts. Right now, Congress has to approve it. The good news is China is not a part of it, and China has been exporting their peanuts over to Japan. But now U.S. peanuts can go in there duty-free. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Here is also this
0: week's Georgia Grown Moment. This
4: is Georgia Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black coming to you again with your Georgia Grown Moment. This coming Thursday, most of us will sit down on a sturdy wooden chair at a beautifully decorated table filled to capacity with a wide variety of food, and we'll give thanks. In my home, we'll give thanks to God for the nourishment. We'll give thanks for those that we share it with, and hopefully give a good word of thanks for those who provide it. As we take this time to appreciate our blessings, I'd like to challenge you to dig a little deeper, to go beyond the traditional obligations of acknowledgments, and truly think about who and what it took for us to enjoy this feast. Consider just how safe, affordable, and abundant the food on the table really is. And I also encourage you to think beyond the food on the plate and consider that wooden chair or the table it is placed on, the nice cotton tablecloth that covers it, and the shelter that it all sits under. All of this is because of our farmers and their efforts every day. From all of us at the Georgia Department of Agriculture, we hope you have a safe, enjoyable Georgia-grown Thanksgiving.
0: Now With so many different labels in the grocery store, it can be hard to figure out which type of turkey to buy for your Thanksgiving feast this year, but Brianna Bullard has some help.
5: The U.S. Department of Agriculture has strict rules for what makes a turkey organic, but what about all the other options? The first choice is between fresh and frozen turkey. Fresh turkeys have been chilled to 24 degrees Fahrenheit and should be cooked no more than three days after purchase. Frozen turkeys are flash frozen and are generally less expensive, but you must factor in the thawing time, which is around 24 hours per 5 pounds of turkey. Then there are labels for natural and organic, Organic turkeys comply with the USDA standards for how the turkeys are raised and fed. Turkeys labeled natural means that they're minimally processed and no artificial colors or ingredients have been added. But that doesn't have anything to do with how the turkey was raised or what he was fed. Next are labels for heritage turkeys. Conventional turkeys are usually a broad-breasted white type bird. Heritage turkeys are more expensive, but are breeds that were descendants of America's first turkeys. They tend to have a richer, more gamey flavor, and are usually purchased directly from the farmer. The final rule for selecting the perfect turkey is knowing how big of a bird to buy. Generally, select a bird that allows for one pound per person, and if you want leftovers, choose a turkey that's around one and a half pounds per person. For Southeast AgNet, I'm Brianna Bullard.
0: And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder says while a bowl of cereal and a cup of coffee may constitute breakfast for some, the most preferred breakfast food on the table is bacon.
6: Bowl of cereal and a cup of coffee may constitute breakfast for you, but the most preferred food you can put on the breakfast table is bacon. There are dozens of kinds of sausage and dozens of kinds of ham, but only one bacon. So why the popularity? I have no idea, but a group of researchers are determined to find out has already been determined that frying bacon is the most difficult job in preparing breakfast. You open the box, pour a bowl of cereal and milk, your breakfast is ready. With bacon, the cooking temperature has to be just right. It has to be turned at least twice, perhaps more. It tends to curl up as you cook it. It isn't easy. So, why the popularity? Well, this group of researchers says it's the oldest breakfast in the world. Now, they didn't say how they made that determination. That's Ag review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet.
0: Those reports and more can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.